Today's date is December 11th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. If you are not familiar with the show, we run through what we've read recently. We give you the latest news in the comic book world. We run you through the new releases coming to your comic book shops this week, every Wednesday. Um, Then we award our prestigious... Uh, cover of the week and variant cover of the week awards and then we get into some topics for your amusement if that sounds like a good time be sure to hit like and subscribe give us a nice review on itunes and stitcher if you're listening there and remember we release the podcast every wednesday for your amusement for free yay emery what have you been reading uh, well, I've actually been reading quite a few different things this time around. Got caught up on Batman White Knight, and it's every bit as amazing as it has been for the last couple issues. Yeah, White Knight, uh, Batman White Knight, I should say, <laughs> um, from Sean Murphy has just been awesome. We talk about it every chance we get. Yes, we do. And they definitely continued the streak of greatness. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, uh, over at DC on this book. Um, the story that this guy is crafting is top-notch. Definitely. Um, I, I, there's one thing about this book that I don't like. The, the, the minor peeve. The minor peeve. <laughs> <laughs> which they did with my uh, favorite character, Dick Grayson. But it, it's very minor peeve. <laughs> Other than that, great book still. Art's still wonderful. Story is still intriguing and fun and cool and interesting. And I still love what they've done with the Harley Quinn character. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, that one continues to surprise. And they used my favorite version of Alfred, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. No spoilers, but, you know. He's used in the way that def- definitely fits how this book is going to go. Especially in the modern area, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, they use a, a very familiar version of Alfred that's not quite the gangly old British butler <laughs> that we all know and love. Uh, anything else? Well, I also got to read some of the um, Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. Which this I is bl- the second one, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, issue number two. <clears throat> so I I haven't read it yet. Uh, what do you think? I thought that it it was a good issue. Uh, I think it retreads some familiar territory, specifically with the uh, the character, like the the one turtle that's highlighted on the cover more than the others. Donatello. Oh yeah, yeah. There's some issues there that get explored in this mm. one, and then of course we cross over with Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I was a turtle. <laughs> now I'm a bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty I, sure that didn't go that way, but you know, uh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I got the comic. I haven't read it yet uh, because. We were busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting set up and everything. But um, just looking through it, I still love the artwork, the style that they've been using for these crossover books. Oh, between, yeah. Uh, IDW and DC. Although I have one gripe, and that's the way they draw Damien. 
there's there's something weird about the way they draw Damien, and it just like he he looks a bit too birdish. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there's just something I don't know if it's like the way his mask like sticks out of his face or something. I don't know. He looks yeah. like his head's way too big for his body. I don't know. I think that's it. I think his head <laughs> looks way too big. Yeah, it's yeah. He's like, got kind of the bobblehead thing going. He's got the turtle head but on a human body. <laughs> it's a little weird. Only a little. But yeah, I love I love those books. I love the first crossover event between those two, and I, I assume I'm gonna love this one too. So, anything else for you? Um, I read an indie title called Paradiso. Yep, this is one that I picked up. I believe it's from Image Comics here. Is it? Uh, it is indeed from Image Comics. Uh, issue one, issue two. Written by Ram the Fifth. Literally only Ram the Fifth. <laughs> Ram, Ram Five. Ram V. Uh, spelled R-A-M space V. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a personality I should be aware of, but that's uh, who it's written by. And the art is by... Devmalia Pramanic. Hopefully, I pronounced Pramanic. Devmalia Pramanic. Name successfully butchered. Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, what did you think of it? Uh, It was a interesting kind of like far flung future, but the future's decrepit and dilapidated type story-ish. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it is about it that didn't quite hook me, but there's just something... Maybe it was the last couple of pages advertising a comic that I really didn't like. (laughs) Yeah, at the end it advertises and uh, gives a sample of Void Trip, which we read, I don't know, last week or the week before. Yeah, and we weren't big fans of, but I don't know. You gotta do what you gotta do, image. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. For me, I I thought it started a little slow, but as I went on, especially towards the end there, I really started to kind of fall in love with it in a way I didn't think. Um, I basically the framing of the story is there's this weird relationship with, like I'm guessing humans in this world with technology and you know daily life yeah um it's kind of like badlandsy mad max ish uh you know it does have that crazy engineering yeah but there's some technology in this that's like way above and beyond what we have so it's it's a little confusing like they have floating skyscrapers in some parts and uh there's what appeared to be you know fully automated living people (laughs) that are if not exclusively machines at least partially mechanized um and there's two specific characters that i'm guessing are being set up to be the villains that i thought were especially rad (laughs) Uh, they just have a cool look to them and even though i think whatever they i don't know why they chose this for the cover because it's just so bland and yeah i feel like if this hadn't been a number one i wouldn't have even bothered with it but having picked it up the art inside is actually really great and the story is set up in kind of uh 
don't know, kind of goofy action adventure style that is probably going to be in a kind of dark direction, but kind of silly direction, you know? Yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking something along the lines of like um Quentin Tarantino. Like that <laughs> like if Quentin Tarantino did like a future world concept, you know. Like yeah, that a, would be both dark and silly. Like a dystopian future world. Version. Yeah. So I could see it. I'll probably stick with it. Uh I mean it it didn't take me in like super hard, especially in that beginning where it was running a little slow, but I enjoyed it. I'll I'll pick up the second issue and see where they take it from here. You have to let me know how that one goes. Anything else for you? Um let's see, what else did I read? Uh I did pick up the latest issue of Nightwing the New Order. It's because I want to see how far that story has fallen. Now, you've been following this. I haven't read any since the first issue, I don't believe. So, what I think, what is it on issue four now? Yes. Okay. So, what did you think? Um, honestly, I got the vibe that this was basically an excuse to design uh, an alternate future version of the Teen Titans. And put them in a situation where Dick Grayson is being a dick and having to deal with uh, the rest of the team. I blame Jeff Johns <laughs> immediately. <laughs> if Dick Grayson isn't being a dick, he's getting his ass kicked, <laughs> apparently. Um Yeah, it, I mean, the story's interesting. Uh, this is a interesting story about basically a parent trying to save their child from basically a world that they created and he now in a context that i didn't like which is why i quit reading it right um but it's gotten to the point where since he ran into the alternate future version of the titans uh he ran into his ex-wife the one who he had a child with i mean you could (laughs) if you are familiar with nightwing to any length you can probably toss a coin and figure out which one it is it's one of two people probably right Uh, yeah you're right about one of them (laughs) and remember this features teen titans pretty heavily hint 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 hint. (laughs) the the one that he's always either being pined after for or the one who he's actually pining after uh it's it's starfire everyone knows it's starfire <laughs> that is it's literally a, surprising no one this, this is four months later folks so you know yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty well known by now yeah um it's not like a big reveal in the comic either it's just yeah no it's you like understand. it's like a uh, matter of fact is like it, it, it's been something that has been discussed in the story from day one yeah they had a kid which which makes the result of the first issue even more dumb to me (laughs) because you're not only are you framing nightwing as being the cause of this incident and regime you're also doing it while he was married to starfire (laughs) who you know it's going to compromise (laughs) just none of it makes sense i don't know I'm not I'm not a fan of the concepts, you know, and it comes from a writer I'm very, you know, confident in usually, but the artwork's good 
enough, <laughs> even though they're going for this kind of like 80s mullet aesthetic I'm not a fan oh, of. That, that's the thing I think that rubs me the wrong way the most, <laughs> is the art design for like very, very adult Dick Grayson. is <laughs> like the, the white-walled hair I'm fine with, but you gave him a mullet <laughs> i thought we were past this so uh, how have you felt about this specific issue this specific issue gave me a few chuckles uh, considering uh, some of good the good chuckles or, or, or bad tentative chuckles uh, like, oh, you shouldn't have done that <laughs> i mean th- these were chuckles that uh are purely out of realizing the ramifications of the entire premise of the story like uh that like one of the other titans beast boy is in a very stuck situation as a result of something that dick grayson did all those years ago <laughs> now that's what i call a sticky situation uh yeah only a little um yeah just <laughs> It's just the the concept of this whole thing basically coming down to a we really went all this way to set up what was going to be an argument between two people. <laughs> this is an argument. What's be- the best way to argue with your spouse? Set up a dystopian dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> And turn your ex-wife into a freedom fighter. <laughs> and ignore her until your son gets involved. <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's silly. It, it's a silly concept, it's but a, I've I already... the concept would be okay if it wasn't this character. You know? <laughs> if it wasn't Dick Grayson and Starfire and, you know... If I... this was Batman, this would have made sense. Yeah, I feel like Batman would be the one to get paranoid and do something this extreme, you know? Yeah. Not Dick Grayson, who's yeah. married to Starfire <laughs> and has a kid with her. Yeah. No. Uh, Dick, <laughs> Dick Grayson seems like the person who would kind of beat the shit out of Batman for doing that to his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... But I'll leave that be. <laughs> was there anything else from you? Uh, I think that was all I've read. Okay. In addition to the comics we already talked about, uh, I picked up issue number two of number one with a bullet. If that wasn't confusing enough for you. <laughs> um, this is an Im- image comic that uh, we discussed, uh, I guess, a month ago. Now, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. but um, This is a book that basically sets up a world where people have devices where they have they can record with you know cameras in their eyes and use it like uh they they're like contact lenses or whatever and this is it's just the normal world and the story revolves around this woman who's an assistant to like a talk show you know bobbing head or whatever and um she's famous but not that famous of course and uh, she has like fans that are over the top and like kill themselves and you know stuff like that and you know <laughs> basically she's just full of herself and you know it this book like shows all the consequences of being on uh famous on the internet 
and all the terrible things that can happen to you when you look at comments and tweets all day long and blah 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 social media is bad and you should feel bad and basically the hook with this is that somebody used that device to uh, i won't spoil who but to record her during a sexual encounter (laughs) and released it on the internet and uh so the whole book is just both the first and second issue is just her dealing with the fallout of this but of course because she's just glued to social media it's a big deal Whereas I, I feel like anybody who's not on Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and <laughs> Facebook 100% of their day would not be quite as affected in the way that she is affected. Yeah. And as consequences for a relationship, because she's in a very specific type of relationship, uh, again, kind of going with the thread of this kind of <laughs> Californian, <laughs> you know, I'm always the victim here, blah, 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 blah. And, like, the premise is, you know, it's good, but it. I feel like, once again, it's just preying on the fears <laughs> of, like, any woman. Like, <laughs> not, like, in a good, relevant narrative way, but in, like, a kind of exploitative way at the end. And at the end, once again, she has this big, long interview with herself, the writer, <laughs> about... um her i guess experiences with online i guess she ran like a video game streaming thing and how she got involved with a guy that got creepy or whatever because like she had, they had been close through their streaming platform playing an MMO or something and how he took it to a creepy extreme where he was sending her gifts uh, and like demanding that they spend time together in the video game, even though he lives on the other side of the country. <laughs> and like, it's so again, I feel like these are only problems for a select few that, you know, right. And I feel like the whole comic is built around this concept that in order to relate to said character, you also have to be an individual who is in such a status who is always on social media. Um, and I get, being recorded without your permission, the main theme is a good theme. I mean, that's relevant today yeah. without the contact cameras or whatever. And in this book, it's playing on a very current issue because the character in question is very similar <laughs> to a lot of <laughs> incidents that have been happening recently. Yeah. Um, but again, I feel like it always it's just like the first book it started off really intriguing really cool really interesting and then it just gets to this other like preachy platform and it becomes less of an interesting story and more is just like a soapbox for the writer right and then she once again interviews herself in this long thing at the end and giving stats about internet abuse and stuff and it just it it seems more about yeah, just as you were saying, giving the writer a platform as opposed to telling a story that's worth telling. I mean, it's it's never... I would never advocate somebody harassing somebody on the internet or something like that. But you got to realize, these problems would be completely solved 
if you just stopped <laughs> putting yourself <laughs> all over the internet. Uh, stop. Yeah. If you stop posting videos and streaming hours of yourself on the internet and putting your public name out there and putting your address out there and like uh, yeah, all of these things could be solved by just not being a teenager <laughs> on <laughs> on the modern internet, you know. Yeah. Um, and it just seems kind of silly to me, you know. Um, the other book I read was Witchblade, also coming from Image Comics. And this is, if you're familiar with the old Witchblade, which ran for like, I don't know, two, 20 years or something like that. I think so. Um, yeah. And then it ended a few years ago. And I and this seems like a reboot of it. And this one's taken over by Caitlin Kittredge and Roberto, excuse me, Roberta Ingranata. It looks like Brian Valenza is also a colorist on it. Yep. So... Uh, this book, I mean, if you're familiar with the Witchblade series, you're going to be fairly familiar with the concepts that are going to be brought up in the book. Um, I'd say the one difference with this is it's, again, kind of preying on the modern, modern woman's fears and, again, kind of taking advantage of it. But, uh, I think... The difference with this one is this one's done appropriately. This one's done in a way that makes sense, <laughs> in a way that's coherent, in a way that isn't, you know, something that only a person that's <laughs> <laughs> has millions of followers on the internet or something would be able to compare to, you know. Right. Um it's a good book. Uh I was definitely intrigued. I I didn't I only was like fleetingly familiar with the old Witchblade series, so I'm coming into it fairly fresh, but it seems like the book to do it with. The art was great. The story was interesting, if not a little bit confusing, just the way it was, the order it was told, I should say. Um, but it's meant to be confusing. It's supposed to confuse you because the host, so to speak, is trying to come to terms with what's going on. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up issue two and keep up with it. And this is, you know, again, one of those things where the reboot <laughs> convinced me to go, okay, I'll take a chance on it. Whereas before, if this was still going after 23 years with the same stories and stuff, I'd be like, eh, I probably <laughs> won't touch that one, you know? Yeah. But it, it's a good start. Uh, good writing, good art. Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say, like, outstanding or you know above and beyond like something like a mr miracle or batman white knight or you know those sorts of things but it was good it was solid and you can't really ask for much more especially from a reboot you know yeah um and then at the end they have a nice little interview with the the writer and artist about how they're trying to take care in this reboot and you know bring something new to the table well while trying to avoid, you know, disappointing fans or whatever. Making sure um, to do it right. Well, I think that brings us to our segment, Did the Content Match the Drapes? This, Ooh. This is our weekly segment where we discuss whether our cover and variant covers of the previous week had content as good on the inside as the cover on the outside. Uh, last week we had Nightwing number 34, I want to say. Uh, yeah, for the variant. Fortunately, it was in the middle of a huge arc, so we weren't, we didn't have enough time to catch up on it. And I haven't been keeping up with the new Nightwing because Rebirth, eh. <laughs> Rebirth kind of, I don't know, 
made issues. Yes, it did. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, but the other book we had was Hawkeye number 13, which was the beginning to a new arc. Um, and this was created by Kelly Thompson and illustrated internally by Leonard Romero. And um, even though it's starting a new arc, I felt like there's some things we probably needed to know. And I was a little lost. I don't know if you were a little lost. I mean, I, I, the main story is easy enough to pick up, but... Yeah. It definitely feels like I've been kind of dropped into uh, an ongoing story for which I have little to no context. Which you would expect from an issue 13, but... Right. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I really didn't like how the story was told in this one. <laughs> Uh, just this book seemed like it was in love with itself. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah the, there's just uh, several points, and well, not several points. There's a specific exchange in that book where they refer to each other as Hawkeye, and then later on, Katie, the younger one. The newer Hawkeye just t- she shows up in front of her friends and manages to introduce the one who came up with the name in the first place in the comics. Uh, like we're not counting Mash, um, the guy Clint Barton. She just says, "Oh yeah, uh, that's uh, Clint, A.K.A. Other Hawkeye." What's happening here? <laughs> yeah, uh, this is this is a problem across Marvel in general. So, uh, yeah, me diving into this book, I was like, "Well, that's the first Marvel book I've read in a while. I'll give it a shot." <laughs> <laughs> and I I was not impressed by what I saw. Not to say that DC has been a whole lot better recently, but DC at least has a handful of books that are still really good. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sure Marvel has a few that are really good, but I just haven't read them. I don't know. Spider-Man, renew your vows. <laughs> um, but yeah, I read this book, and uh, I liked... It was... I will say it was cute, but not really in the most endearing way. And it, to me, I think it's kind of shitty when you take character a and replace them with diversified youngified <laughs> that's a word uh, version and yeah and then you decide oh we pissed off fans by being lazy and not creating a new character literally this one's so lazy that they gave her the same fucking name and they <laughs> refer to each other as the same fucking name which makes it confusing <laughs> and stupid <laughs> um so it's like everything we've complained about, you know. Yeah. In, in terms of diversifying your cast, you know, make new characters. Don't yeah. don't just take mantle A and throw it on person B, you know. This is like uh, a distillation of what we've talked about as far as things that we hate going forward with like characters that we had to come up with for the sake of diversity and younging up the roster yeah if you will and i feel like in this case specifically it really isn't narratively warranted at all 
and um, not even a little bit. They like joke in this book about inconsistent time travel stories and stuff, and I'm like, you're so aware that you have <laughs> terrible inconsistencies in your universe and in your <laughs> in your own book that you're talking about them. Literally, the first page makes jokes about how many Wolverines there are. <laughs> and how they can't keep track of them because there's old man Wolverine. There's uh you know the regular typical Wolverine who's kind of dead but kind of not now. Uh then you got the the X23 Wolverine and then you got the regular X23 who isn't a Wolverine. <laughs> it's just And then you have uh X23 Wolverine has uh, another tiny follower that was referred to as little Wolverine. <laughs> It's Wolverines on top of Wolverines on top of another fucking blade popping out of your armed asshole. Yeah, it just, (laughs) it represents everything that I think alienates potential new comic fans from Marvel and DC specifically. Yeah. Um, When they (laughs) just have all this nonsense going on and like they're so aware of it. Without making corrections, that they just <laughs> reference it and joke about it, like <laughs> almost almost to the point of like Deadpool breaking you know the fourth wall or something you know, but yeah. not quite you know just it's, a little bit you know. Mm, and there was a lot of you know kind of winking at the audience in the comic book, which is never a good sign if it's not Deadpool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say this week the content did not match the drapes. No, it didn't. It had a cute. Like the cover, it had a cute yeah. charisma to it that was fun enough. The internal art was good. Um, the cover art was great, and it w- the the cover art was appropriate to the the mood of what was inside the comic, which is great. But I, I did not enjoy this comic, <laughs> and I, I have no interest whatsoever in continuing down this. <laughs> rat hole they've sent us yeah uh, also uh, just a little side note if you were going to have a comic book like this be made available for viewing on something as small as your phone could you please come up with a type font <laughs> that maybe further separates the letters a little bit yeah, because I, I gotta say I brought this up to you yeah <laughs> I thought it was a little disconcerting to hear you say, what's this word? Oh, that's Clint. Oh, okay. I thought I was reading something completely different. See, I I didn't even remember. This is how little I care about Hawkeye. I didn't even remember his real name is Clint. (laughs) And (laughs) when it's spelled in a very kind of sharp font... Uh, that has no extra frills, and they're all capital letters. The L and the I, when they're spaced really close together, and I think this is probably true in the comic because the comic isn't that much bigger than a phone screen, you know? Yeah. Because the panels are blown up on the phone screen. It looks like the C word. And I thought for the first few pages that she, <laughs> he was calling her the C word because these quote bubbles would be in panels that didn't have the two characters next to each other. It would just be the bubbles, and then it would move to a panel where they're next to each other. And <laughs> I was like, man, Marvel's really getting <laughs> getting hardcore in these books. I didn't expect this from Marvel. This isn't even a part of their max line where you can actually say shit like that. 
<laughs> so yeah, I thought they oh. were just, you know, calling each other the C word the whole time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there, so there's there's little gripes like that throughout the book. You know, a few artistic choices. I was like, really? <laughs> and like, you know, gadget choices. I was like, okay, I see what the gadget is, but I don't see how this is working because it's literally just a thread. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just attached to a string. Like it I makes no know. sense. The ropes do not work this way. Good just, night. One of my gripes about anything in comics where there's like a rapple or something, I appreciate the kind of Batman the Animated Series style where they had like a gun that would shoot the projectile and then the gun itself had like a reel in it that would reel it in or whatever and accelerate you or whatever. But Comics keep doing this thing where they're literally just holding a rope. <laughs> they throw a batarang with a rope on it or something, and then they swing on a rope. And I'm like, can we just get a launcher or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, something to, just to help the audience not have to forgive you for logical inconsistencies. Right. Just make it a little more legit. Just a little. Just that's, a little. That's all we want. That's all I'm asking. It's uh, like, Green Arrow, I love you to death. But you have got to come up with an arrow or something that makes sense for you to like shoot out a rope that goes that long. I would, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be a big deal if it was just like a grapple hook or something that he shot and it became a hook, and then he, you know, climbed it like normal. Right. But no, it's always like they shoot the grapple hook, and then it gets stuck in something, and then it reels them in at like super speed so they don't like slam into the wall or anything to just go straight up. <laughs> I'm like I don't think that's how it's gonna work. It's like the, 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 not physics. That doesn't physics. <laughs> how does that work? Comics. <laughs> uh, but no, that's just silly, silly rant there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say you know don't unless you really like the cover, which we did. Probably don't pick it up. Would you agree? Oh, I would definitely agree wholeheartedly. Well, that takes care of our segment. Did the content match the drapes? It did not. With that, let's get into the news. First up, there's a lot of news this week, so let's try to pound this out first. <laughs> um, first up on the news, we have the new Venom movie is going to be based on the Venom Lethal Protector and Planet of the Symbiote storylines, according to director Ruben Flesher. The movie is due October 5th, 2018. God damn it. Are you familiar with these storylines? Uh, I'm familiar enough to realize that that sounds like they're making a Venom movie that is basically going to have no relation or tie to Spider-Man. And they had one job. They had one job, and that was to introduce Venom the right way. And the only way that Venom works is if you have the symbiote suit come into contact with Spider-Man first. That being said, those were decent stories. And they have Tom Hardy playing the lead role, so it's... I think he'll do fine with it. It's just... And you're getting Eddie Brock, so... Yes. There's that. Eddie Brock, like... Legit Eddie Brock. As long as they keep Venom, the creature, uh, large, like hulking, and monstrous. Yeah. None of that, uh, we're going to put a rubber suit on Topher Grace bullshit. 
And next up, this brings some other related news. Related news. Oh, man. Disney and 21st Century Fox have reportedly agreed to terms on the purchase deal that they have been discussing for weeks and weeks now. This comes directly after Comcast dropped its bid for 21st Century Fox, which was the primary competition. Details will be announced in the coming days, reportedly. This would potentially mean that the X-Men and Fantastic Four franchises will likely be back in the Marvel Studios universe. Emery, what do you think? (laughs) Now, I think we need to take everything with a grain of salt here because we don't know what the terms of the deal are. It could be like a Sony deal or it could be a full buyout. It looks like it's probably a full buyout. But this could have some other repercussions since there's already several movies being produced and <laughs> prepared by 21st Century Fox to, you know, not the least of which is Deadpool 2. We have this yeah. um, Dark Phoenix Universe X-Men movie, which I really don't want, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, we have the Gambit movie they've been producing for... Nearly four years now, <laughs> which is supposedly going to come out this year, but I don't see it happening. Um, <laughs> Probably not. And oh, I, I don't God. know. There's just they they have a lot of properties. That New Mutants. That's the other one. Yeah, which looks like it'll probably be good, but who knows? Um, they have a universe which is already built and pretty good. For the most part, um, we've talked it's, about this it, yeah. extensively, but it's not without its mis- missteps. But it has been profitable. I feel like we're going to have a weird issue here, especially with Brian Singer dealing with his alleged problems. <laughs> uh, uh, his alleged after problems being removed are, from his new movie. Yeah, his alleged problems have led to uh, what has been called the studio favorite, Simon Kinberg. The the guy who's been uh, writing the the last few of the uh, X Men movies. Uh, this is going to be his directorial debut, as far as the uh, Phoenix movie is concerned. Yeah, which I honestly just hope they scrap. And so, let's just uh, it, it, here's the things that I would want from this deal: leave Deadpool the way it is. Deadpool is fine. If we can have like dark shit happening in Marvel's Netflix universe, I think we can withstand a rated R, like this one rated R property. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I really want them to scrap everything else but New Mutants. Now, this brings me to what I feel about, uh, you know, the DC expanded universe whatever the movies the snyderverse yeah i've been saying over and over and over these movies are not getting better they're getting worse they (laughs) need to just scrap what they have on the docket right now and just restart with new production crews new directors you know new ideas because clearly it's not getting better it's getting worse and that's kind of how with the exception of logan and deadpool Kind of how I've I've felt about the Fox universe for a while. You know, Fantastic Four started bad and got worse. (laughs) Um, You have, you know, the X-Men movies, which, you know, they had like a okay start, good start, 
and then they kind of squandered the third one, and then they had the terrible Wolverine Origins movie, but then they kind of redeemed themselves with the Wolverine and, you know, all these expansion movies or whatever. Um, X-Men First Class. Yeah, First Class was good, and then they, you know... Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past was good. I I had issues with both those movies, but they were still good. Um, Yeah. And then you had Apocalypse, which is awful, <laughs> and setting up for the Dark Phoenix saga, which is not good. You never want a bad movie being the foundation for <laughs> your future movie. Yeah, yeah. God. So I would completely agree that they sh- if this has happened and it is a signed and done deal, I'm a little worried in one regard because Fox brought an edge to their hero universes that I don't think disney would ever touch um (laughs) for the most part i mean maybe star wars rogue one indicates maybe a little bit different but even that wasn't like egregious um as far as adult content and kind of depressing storylines or whatever um that being said though i think it would be great to have the x-men back in the marvel universe where they belong next to the characters they belong with uh the Fantastic Four. I know you love them. I don't really give a shit about them, but <laughs> you know, if anybody can do them right, it's probably Disney and the Marvel Studios. Yeah, um, but I feel like X Men is rooted in a darker world where you do have the things like prejudice and injustice and you know torture and exploitation and experimentation. You know, um, these are themes that I don't think you can even in like in a PG-13 setting, do great. And I think even the Fox universe, you know, they Deadpool was the first rated R one that they really committed to, but they still put some pretty dark stuff, you know, in those prior movies. They might have toned it down a little, you know. It, yeah. But with Deadpool and Logan, like you really saw what they could do if they just, you know, Let quit, loose. quit restraining themselves. And I think they did a great job. So I hope Disney continues with that tradition specifically for the x-men universe you know the other stuff maybe not so much you know i don't think captain america needs an an extreme r-rated film you know (laughs) because that's not what the character is you know right um but i think x-men absolutely should maybe stick closer to that route uh yeah uh with that being said uh i am fine for uh darker stories just as long as i have like there's just like a couple of things that I want to see, like you know, the X Men having like a baseball game out back, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, going on vacation, celebrating. There's like the the themes of like, that's right. This was pre Hogwarts stuff. Yeah, like the, these are all people in school. <laughs> like, let's make, not all of them though. Not all of the them. The X Men themselves are typically not the school age ones. They're usually the teachers or you know assistants, whatever the case may be. Right. But this is still a school atmosphere. Yeah. Is like their their leader is literally a professor. <laughs> Like maybe expo- that can exterminate the human race with his mind, but you know, <laughs> we'll just forget about that. Minor oversight. <laughs> <laughs> he can, but he won't, unless someone takes him unless over. He then he will. Senile. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, it, yeah. It, 
the biggest thing with that, though, with them being brought over to the MCU is I want their costumes to change. It's been black since day fucking one. See, that's that's where I'm probably always going to disagree with you. I don't I don't think the black was bad. Like it's fine. It's appropriate for the real world, which is where these movies were made. I don't I don't want I don't want to ever see the real live Wolverine horns. Like the face mask that goes up and back it's just they've already screen tested it several times trying to do it with Hugh Jackman but they always realize it looks so silly that they just put it in a cameo in a drawer (laughs) they they tried it looks goofy and they can't do it and I I don't think the bright colors would really lend themselves if they're like muted or whatever okay but if they're like the bright yellow and blue and just you know the i I think it'll look a little silly and come across a little goofy on the big screen i disagree i know know. if captain america the the person captain america looks like a goofball he looks looks like an idiot (laughs) especially before they tone down his uniform in winter soldier iron man it's tony stark He's not trying to hide his identity at all. Thor? Thor doesn't look goofy. He's just wearing armor <laughs> and a red cloak. Bre- Plus, he's from another world. <laughs> like That's not relevant at all. Um, let's see. Hulk it- has stretchy pants. <laughs> Big deal. Uh, I'm just saying... I'm not saying remove the black completely... I'm saying make that the backdrop to what's supposed to be on those costumes. All right. All right, all right. I'm sure they're going to make it flashy and iconic and goofy because that's what Disney does best. But <laughs> I don't know. They just, they have to own I it. I don't want to see a five foot three <laughs> <laughs> fucking munchkin <laughs> draped in bright yellow on the big screen. I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Huge jacked man, save us. <laughs> but but no. I, I will definitely settle for him coming back for like Avengers 4. Yeah. There's other properties that we should also look out because if this is a complete purchase of 21st Century Fox, other properties like um, The Simpsons, like Predator, Alien. Dr. Doolittle. These, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but these, these, <laughs> Dr. Doolittle, I hate you. <laughs> But these big franchises like this that are well-known and not very family-friendly, um, they're also going to be affected by this, you know? Um, yeah. And I don't... Granted, there hasn't been a good Predator movie in a long time. Aliens, I haven't seen the new one. Maybe it's good. I don't know. I didn't like Prometheus that much, but they haven't oh, done... Oh, you didn't I, like Prometheus? No. Then oh. you're not going to like Alien Covenant. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, for me, the peak was Aliens, the second movie. It First will, movie that will also be great. Third movie, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a little weird. <laughs> Only a little. And then everything after that is like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's one of the the other things to look out for with this purchasing of 20th century fox a a lot of things could change 
a lot of things could be kept the same. I think yeah. the biggest thing that they're most concerned with is one having the rights to X Men and Fantastic Four, and then all of the other things that are also part of the deal are just hopefully going to maintain them so that they make money or maybe improve some of these titles the way that everyone knows they need to be yeah and uh proof positive for this the punisher oh my god this this is a show on netflix mind you this is technically co-opted by disney and ABC. This is a show that has some of the most brutal graphic violence I've ever seen in my life. I feel it, like they'll take a little extra chance with television, especially on a streaming app, but I, point taken. <laughs> right. Yeah. A, 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 spoiler alert, there is a scene that involves kink. And, and by that, I mean... Car battery, electrodes, balls. Classy. (laughs) (laughs) This is in the right realm or sector of entertainment Disney is fine with. Which is kind of funny. Every time I saw something that weird or something that not Disney, I would just say in my head, brought to you by Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've told you about my uh, fan theory that Snoke is just Walt Disney <laughs> being kept on life support. Somehow I still would not be surprised by that movie if that were the case. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm convinced he's on life support somewhere. Some robot <laughs> android. Cryogenically frozen. Yeah, manipulating everything from the background. <laughs> slowly conquering all media. <laughs> we will buy them. <laughs> Do it. I think it's time. Ha ha! <laughs> do it mickey <laughs> so those of you unfamiliar with walt disney's sordid history oh. you might want to look into that yeah look it up <laughs> google it he was not quite the happy person he was depicted as by tom hanks i believe no yeah that movie was a little wrong Only a, okay not a little it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like they make they make walt disney and the creator of uh, was it Poppins? Yeah, was it Mary Poppins. They make him like best friends by the end. Like she hated him to his grave. <laughs> <laughs> they hated each other until their dying days. Oh yeah, that <laughs> like, was nothing a... about that was true. Yeah, that that was a bitter feud. Yeah, my God. Oh well. Next up on the news, as we uh, alluded to earlier, following Justice League's bad financial f- performance, bad being relative. Good for a normal movie, not so good for a movie that costs three hundred million dollars, right. not including advertising and promotion. One of the two heads of the DC film division, John Berg, is stepping down. Jeff Johns will remain as the other head uh, and uh, as creative director. Tony Emmerich, Warner Brothers Picture Group president, has announced reclaiming the currently separate DC film branch. And bringing it back into the Warner Bros. proper umbrella. So it looks like Warner Bros. gave DC some freedom with Jeff Johns and Lemire and some other people. And said, alright, do you. See what happens. 
No, there's Marvel. Do what they did, okay? But can, <laughs> can you do it in like four years? That would be great. <laughs> and then they went off in their separate branch, spent a ton of money <laughs> making terrible, terrible, terrible CGI movies. Uh... And... um. <laughs> generally declining in quality as time has gone on and they have a million fucking movies still being announced and in production and nonsense but literally nothing is the same everything is being reshuffled back at the organizational level the directors are being dropped because of family issues or because of controversies or whatever the case may be or because of you know the director is like the script sucks and left (laughs) you know (laughs) there's actors you know wanting to get out but they can't because of their contracts um this brings us to another news item john ham has been uh vying for the role as bruce wayne batman in the of movie of course he in is in the upcoming movie uh the batman which is being directed by matt reeves and um matt reeves has said he's been eyeing new talent because once again ben affleck doesn't want to be batman because he's like oh fuck what did i do <laughs> um this isn't what i signed up for so oh. we have an entire cinematic universe that is just an utter turmoil and i think i'm afraid what warner bros is going to do is going to keep pushing these fucking movies with new cast and new directors and pretend like nothing's different like they're going to take the you know uh batman 89 into the schumacher world approach and i'm afraid they're going to repeat those same bad mistakes where the difference being the keaton movies were actually okay they were good uh batman Batman forever and uh, batman and robin (laughs) and they just kept recasting batman and like oh look it's the same universe nothing's changed <laughs> and it just got worse and worse and worse and we're i feel like bringing a new guy and i feel like this is a warner bros problem primarily but i also kind of suspect that jeff johns is causing a lot of this too yeah because jeff johns is the kind of sensationalist i mean obviously snyder has a huge hand in all of these movies so a lot of it's on him yeah but i i have i don't i have no confidence in any level of these productions. I don't have confidence in the Warner Bros. studio to do the right thing. You know, Nolan gave them a gift. Marvel (laughs) and Disney gave them a gift. Both outlined perfect approaches and what to do right and how to do it right. Logan and Deadpool (laughs) gave you examples of how to do a dark, cynical world right. Uh, There's so many examples out there, but Warner Brothers continues to announce these stupid movies that (laughs) nobody wants, you know. Uh, We still have things like Wonder Woman 2, which might be okay until you hear what they're trying to do with her, involving giving her new love interests and stuff, you know. Uh, uh, And then... We obviously know what happened with BVS and Justice League, and you know what happened with Suicide Squad, an Oscar-winning movie (laughs) that I refuse to watch. Um, Guess what your Christmas present is. Nope. (laughs) Nope. I'll return that right to the store, because I know it's good. (laughs) Right after I make you watch it. But you have this Aquaman movie, you have the Cyborg movie, you have this Flash and Green Lantern movie. Apparently, they're trying to do Flashpoint, where they're going to try to give an excuse to get rid of Ben Affleck 
Patrick <laughs> and bring in John Hamm, which I think would be a great Batman, but not in this universe. Please, no. <laughs> Please do not waste John Hamm on this universe. Oh. Please, I'm begging you. John Hamm would be the perfect Batman. He's the perfect Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, he is. You can't do any better. You know, as long as we don't wait so long that he's too old to do it. Right. And it's just, just like with, um, you know, <laughs> casting Eisenberg as Lex Luthor instead of Brian oh. Cranston. Oh. Brian Cranston oh. was the perfect age. It was the perfect time. He was as hot as he could be. That was the time to <laughs> make Brian Cranston Lex Luthor. But you lost the opportunity and you wasted it. And I feel like they're going to do the same fucking thing <laughs> oh i hate water okay. bros sometimes it, it, casting can only help you so much the scripts have been shit the scripts have been awful the cg has been awful there was something i saw recently where somebody on twitter posted two posters for upcoming warner brothers movies uh, i think one was tomb raider and one was something else and they they literally said, "Has Warner Brothers ever seen a human being?" Because both posters were digitally produced, like ridiculous proportioned oh. <laughs> covers, where the necks are super long and like the arms are super small or super big, depending on whether it's male or female. And then like the torso is longer than the legs. <laughs> like, it's so. It's who, just who is working on this? And I feel like, and why do you still have a job? This is a consistent problem. It's a consistent problem. It's easy to identify. I don't understand why it's so difficult for these, you know, presidents and directors and producers to go, oh, yeah, that that is a problem. That does look a little weird. Oh, this writing is kind of goofy. Maybe we shouldn't have 12 writers on the same script. <laughs> you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing $100 million worth of reshoots and new CGI for a mustache, you know? <laughs> like, there's just so many nonsensical things. Like... I can't help but feel like all of these people, all of these executives and producers and directors are just like so hopped up on fucking coke. They're just snorting coke in their office and going, let's do it! (laughs) They make a budget for this movie and they go, it doesn't matter what the budget is. I do cocaine. (laughs) Cocaine, baby. I don't know. I have no confidence in any of these people, including Jeff Johns. Here's the thing that I think was very obvious. It was a financial decision. They needed to recoup funds. That is the reason why we didn't wait for Henry Cavill to shave. I mean, it's it's even worse than that, you know? Because <laughs> they were already so deep into this money pit, you know? Yeah. They're just they're signing blank checks for these fucking movies. To be drowned in terrible CG and CG sets, you know, <laughs> it's like that, you know, Wiseau movie, you know, like, <laughs> why are we filming an alley? There's an alley right there. This, this is, is a real, real Hollywood movie. <laughs> this real comic book movie. <laughs> it's like they keep shooting these scenes that are on like a city street or something. Why do they all need to be CG? It's like with there there are real rooftops that we could be shooting this on. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's real not comic that hard. book movie. Ugh. It's just it, it's not a secret. It's not it's not a mystery why these movies are costing so much and <laughs> why the income from the movies is going down so quickly. Yeah. You, know, you keep making worse and worse quality movies. Wonder Woman is the one exception. 
and even that had a <laughs> had an iffy third act, you know. And they're setting up for Wonder Woman two to be not very good. Uh-huh. So I'm begging Warner Brothers, <laughs> if you're not going to sell to Disney, <laughs> find a new CG studio first and foremost. Please do not hire Zack Snyder for another movie, ever. Ever. Practical effects for the love of fuck. And please restrict your budget. <laughs> you don't need to spend 300 million fucking dollars on a single movie. What What do you expect? You're not, you don't have fucking, you know, Downey Jr. up there who's asking for 40 million per movie. You <laughs> Deadpool probably had a budget that was a fraction of... Yes. Of what it should have been. Yes. And that Same was with Logan. The, that was the highest grossing R-rated movie Much of movies. all time. Avengers costs like Avengers, which is a huge movie with huge actors and a huge cast. Avengers and much better CG. Avengers cost like $140 million. $300 million? <laughs> I think BBS was something like $260, $270 million. That's out. Outrageous. <laughs> and the quality that is represented by that money does not compute. It doesn't. <laughs> this is not an even ratio here. It's Ugh. like I could have made cheaper movies based on one of the concepts from Beavis. I feel like it made a better movie. There is stuff on YouTube that people produce that is better in quality than some of the $300 million shots that they gave us. Oh my God. And it's. <laughs> A lot of it is practical effects. A lot of it is better writing. A lot of it is not CGIing a fucking mustache because you can't wait for him to shave it. And the rest of it is maybe not devoting so much of your budget to coke. (laughs) 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 Snorting Colombian cocaine off hookers and fighting off lawsuits, you know, or being inappropriate with people. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't fucking know. I have no confidence in Warner Brothers whatsoever. They won. They won me back with the Nolan verse, but I see more and more <laughs> every year that it was purely Nolan. Yeah, that, if the, if not for Nolan, it the, it wouldn't have been as great as it was. It's unfortunate that that's the exception to what's kind of been the rule with Warner Brothers. Yeah. Next up, we got some news about actual comic books. Uh, Doctor Strange: Damnation, written by Donny Cates and Nick Spencer, and drawn by Rod Reese, has been shortened by one issue. So keep that in mind when you go out to your issue. No, no explanation. I'm guessing Marvel is like, uh, not as many people are reading this as we thought, but the run is going to be reduced by run one issue. So be aware of that. I don't know how that's going to affect like covers, though, because the covers are like one and four or whatever. Yeah. Now that's going to be a lie. <laughs> and people are going to be looking for the final issue and be like, where's the final one of this? It's like, hold on. Yeah. So that's a weird uh, logistical problem to have, which is the second week in a row Marvel's had a weird logistical problem, specifically with printing. Yeah. That's uh, not good. Next up, uh, the finale to the image series Elephant Men has been delayed three weeks due to production issues. The final issue, number 80, will be released on January 12th, 2018 now. So keep that in mind if you were reading Elephant Men. Have you read it? I have not, I have actually. Not I, I didn't even look at it until it was like in the 40s, so I was like, eh. <laughs> I don't feel like playing catch-up. I'll wait for it on Comixology Unlimited or something. Yeah. Uh, Cool-looking covers, though. 
Uh, next up, Kevin Smith has recently talked about several scenes cut from the final version of the Justice League. One of those scenes was notable as it featured Darkseid and a vision after Steppenwolf invites Superman to join them in a last bid to save his life. <laughs> Add one more fucking CGI monster to this fucking thing and I swear to God, <laughs> See, slap this shit out of someone. I am a little, just a tiny bit hopeful that the reason they took this scene out of the movie was because they realized, oh, this is bad. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get as much money as we think we're going to get out of this movie. It's like we, we have to cast someone. If we want to leave ourselves open to any kind of reboot, we need to cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> because that immediately means that there has to be another Justice League movie. Take Dark Side Vision out. Not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, as time goes on, it becomes more apparent that Justice League, narratively, was basically a twist on the Avengers. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I, I mean, Not a very good one. I I, yeah, no, it wasn't <laughs> a, a very good one. I mean, not a coherent you, one. Yeah, you have this... Uh, Monster from fucking outer space trying to conquer the world for reasons with his uh, surrogate army that he happens to have control over for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's like this ragtag team of misfits somehow gets together and... But without the proper world building, mind you. Yes. Just getting together because... Just because. Uh, Um, Yeah. It's like there's so much that's missing from that to the point where uh, the the movies that Marvel had set up to set up that movie to where, yeah, we can actually have something like Thanos showing up in a after-credits stinger be like a thing that people would be like oh my god things to look forward to um instead they gave us the wonderful post credit scene not a big spoiler lex luther (laughs) (laughs) hey jesse eisenberg is lex luther lex luthor and unfortunately because i i like this actor uh Joe Manganello with a bad dye job. <laughs> it's a little awkward. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just... He looks badass, but... Uh, it was... it, it, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, I think he's the only thing that kind of looks badass right now about <laughs> anything related to this universe. <laughs> I mean, Aquaman was okay. He was cool. But yeah, yeah. nothing's explained. <laughs> My man. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. I'm going to spill my guts because, oh shit, I'm sitting on your rope. These movies movies are so bad. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, keep keep that in mind too. Uh, Kevin Smith, I love him. I respect him. I love his podcast. It's not for everybody, but I like him a lot. But I'm not usually a fan of his comic book opinions, personally. Or the stuff he's written. Um, 66 Batman might be the the exception because it was goofy, as it should be, from Kevin Smith. Right. Um, But I feel like when he does any kind of serious book, it's always like, ooh, that is the worst 
possible interpretation you could have given us. <laughs> I mean, he had some stuff with Batman that was just like, oh, man, really? <laughs> no. I'm sure if you're familiar with Kevin Smith's stuff, uh, you wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, I love no. Kevin Smith. I love a lot of his movies. Dog was probably my favorite of his movies. I don't know. I just I, I watch that movie a hundred times if I have to. Back when Chris Rock was still in every movie. Oh, I miss Chris Rock. I miss those. Now days. he just does stand up for random people. Kind of like Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, take everything said with a grain of salt. Apparently there's some other scenes that were cut out and he said something along the lines like it fucking pissed me off or whatever. But the less in this movie, probably the better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't I, need I, another three hour BVS full, filled with convoluted bullshit and terrible CG and setting up for more movies that I don't want. Or making a movie where like almost everything from your trailers isn't in it. So just for fun, let's run yeah. through what we have to look forward to if Warner Brothers doesn't just get rid of this shit. We have an independent Harley Quinn movie. We have Suicide Squad 2. We have The Batman, which is apparently going to be different from the Martin Scorsese Batman movie, which they're also producing. Uh, oh, excuse me. That's the Joker movie. Oh. That's different from the other Joker movie, which features the current tattooed steel teeth Joker. So there's going to be two different Joker movies. There's going to be a Harley Quinn movie. There's going to be a Suicide Squad movie. There's going to be the Batman. There's going to be a Flashpoint, which... I don't think if, I can watch an entire movie of Ezra Miller. And if, if there was one character that I hated more than fucking Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, it's Ezra Miller's Barry Allen. Uh, My fucking god. He came I, close to it, but I, as a person who used to run recreationally, I don't think I've ever been more <laughs> upset at someone's fucked up running form. It was so stupid. And it was CG. It wasn't, it, it wasn't even him. It was the CG doing this. Fucking flailing like a goddamn idiot. It was so stupid. It's like, it, Superman called him Slowpoke for one reason and one reason only. He doesn't know how to fucking run! <laughs> but oh, uh, there's other ones. So mad. Uh, there's the Green Lantern slash flash movie i guess that we're scrap for it. some reason we're going to cross over we have the cyborg movie we have the aquaman movie which is in production right now holy shit dude <laughs> wonder woman 2 like please stop shazam shazam movie a separate movie with black adam we don't know which one is going to, he's going to be in but it's not going to be the shazam movie <laughs> scrap all of this shit please stop <laughs> And it, and it, Justice it, League too, if, if we the, get around to it, please don't. If there <laughs> please is, don't waste the money. If don't there waste was the talent. One movie out of all of this that I might have actually paid money to see. Fucking surprisingly, it would have been the Cyborg movie. I would <laughs> literally pay money for them to not make these movies. <laughs> That's how angry I am about this because they're wasting so many years of the. You know, there's never going to be a better time than right now for superhero movies. Yeah, no. This is your key market. This is your time. You need you need to bank on this and do it right. 
before it's gone because once it's gone it's gone people are going to get tired they're going to get fatigued they're not going to want to go see these movies anymore it's going to happen eventually yeah people are already getting a little fatigued with several things uh i mean you gotta marvel's kind of oversaturated it all by themselves uh, let alone with Sony and Fox and Warner Brothers and right. every other spinoff from other comic companies and Netflix and CW and oh. <laughs> NBC and all these. It just like we had a gotta, year where there were six six movies related to Marvel at the very least. Yeah, I just feel like such a huge opportunity is being wasted, and every time they release a bad movie with their characters, all they do is shrink their market. Yeah, because that scares people away. That scares people that would otherwise be interested in comic books and interested in investing in these stories and reading these stories and buying this apparel and whatever else. You know, every single bad movie just pushes people further and further away and confirms people's worst fears about comic books and about comic book fans and about comic book writers. It's just... uh, That's all I have to say about that. Yep. I, I, but literally, I would pay significant amounts of money for them <laughs> to just reboot. Just stop what they're doing, drop it all, and reboot. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, please. Next up, this is something that we, uh, saw featured when we went to pick up our comics today uh the first issues featuring the new cover design for dc has appeared in stores uh this past week the uh, gigantic blue rebirth banner that they've had over their mainstream comics for a while is finally gone it's like a year and a half later yeah um and they've had a big advertisement blue banner in the new 52 that drove me crazy too because it you know covers so much of the artwork um that has finally been recla- replaced by the kind of classic corner logo with uh some symbols and some information um in this case i'll pull up an example here for you the uh new covers for those of you who haven't seen them it seems that they're only doing this for the mainstream comics the ones that are in the set rebirth universe it's like the classic the i shouldn't say classic it's the new dc logo um in the color of whatever the cover is which i think is a good idea and then a small like rectangle that features something that says universe and like goofy font or whatever um and then it has the the symbol of whatever character this book is featured in um and then it has small information like the book price, uh, the the maturity rating, uh, what they recommend or whatever, uh, and it's small and discreet. Definitely a good thing. Definitely a good step forward. I'm glad that they're finally getting rid of the giant blue banners that take up half the fucking cover art. <laughs> but they, <laughs> I had hope based on some of the books like Mister Miracle, uh, that were putting the barcode on the back of the cover and like uh, was it death. Uh, Death Clock or whatever. What's the Watchmen one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the um, Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock, thank you. Uh, The new crossover event with the Watchmen. Uh, That cover, they put the barcode on the back for the number one, not a variant. They put the barcode on the back. It was like, Eureka! They're finally doing it. I think... uh, A light bulb finally uh, went off. Yeah, I think Invisible Fiends also did that for their Vertigo books. So I was hoping they would do this when they finally release their redesigns 
they didn't. <laughs> There's still barcodes on the front, which kind of sucks, especially since the information that's on the barcode is on the front on that little rectangle already so this, yeah there's really no reason to have the barcode on the front whatsoever um so that's a little bit disappointing um but overall i think it's a great change and it's i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the new covers in the future it's definitely steps in the right direction i think yeah well folks that wraps up the news so what books are we going to be hitting up this week well emory i thought you'd never ask Marvel Comics, we have All New Wolverine, number 28. We have Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number 11. I kind of like this cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have Cable, number 152. We have Daredevil, number 596. We have Jean Grey, number 10. We have Royals, number 12. We have Runaways, number four. We have Secret Warriors, number 10. We have She-Hulk, number 160. We have Star Wars, number 40. We have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 792. We have The Despicable Deadpool, number 290. We have The Falcon, number three. We have The Punisher, number 219. We have The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, your favorite, number 27. We have Weapon X, number 12. And we have X-Men Blue, number 17. That wraps up Marvel. From DC, we have Action Comics, number 993. We have Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 17. We have Detective Comics, number 970. We have Gotham City Garage. Don't read this book. Number five. <laughs> we have Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Number 34. We have Immortal Men. Number one. This book looks kind of interesting. Has, uh, Immortal Men? Yeah. Are you familiar with it? I am not, There's been some previous... Uh, I think it has like um, Faust and um, uh, Rachel Ghoul and a few people. That are world changers and all basically immortal, doing some uh, united manipulating of the planet. So interesting. I think to it'd say be. The least. I think it'd be really interesting if they do it right. Um, we'll see. I, I have confidence it, do, in this one. Do they have Vandal Savage with yeah. them? Yeah, of yep. course. Yep, they yep. have the whole cast. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we have Justice League of America number twenty. There's a cool cover here with Lobo, but Lobo should not be in the Justice League of America. No. No. <laughs> we have a big release. Mr. Miracle number five. <gasps> oh, buddy. Get it. We have uh, New Superman number 18. We have, which is the Chinese Superman, where all the superheroes are from China. Got to market to them somehow. Uh, I guess they are the biggest market. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, we have... Talk about lazy diversifying. We have Ragman, number three. We have Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 17. We have Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 88. We have Scooby-Doo, Apocalypse, number 20. We have Suicide Squad, number 31. 
We have Supergirl, number 16. We have Superwoman, number 17. We have The Flash, number 36. We have Titans, number 18. We have Wildstorm, Michael Cray, number 3. And finally, we have Wonder Woman, number 36. From IDW, we have Back to the Future, number 25. We have Dread Gods, number 3. We have DuckTales, number 4. We have Gumballs, number 4. We have Kid Lobotomy, number 3. We have Orphan Black. Deviations, number 6. We have Samurai Jack, Quantum Jack, <laughs> that could be interpreted <laughs> in a few ways. Wait a minute. Quantum Jack. Uh, uh, number three. We <laughs> That's a terrible name. Uh, that wraps up IDW. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have, we have Hack and Slash versus Vampirella, number three. We have Killer Instinct, number three. We have Sheena, number four. We have Skin and Earth, number six. We have Vampirella, surprise, surprise, number nine with six million variants. From Image, we have Coyotes, number two. We have Maestros, woo! (laughs) Number three. I love Maestros. Pick it up. We have Port of Earth, number two. First issue we we both pretty much loved, right? Yeah. Think so? Yeah. So Port of Earth is kind of like that movie End of Watch but with a world that has been contacted by aliens. For those of you who didn't hear our episode where we talked about the first issue, it's basically like aliens come here because they need water to fuel their ships, and they say, in exchange for us giving you some of our technology, you'll agree to become a port for a bunch of aliens to come and refuel or whatever on their way through the galaxy. Right. And then it turns out they're less of an international alien organization and more of like an exxon mobile type of organization and they really don't regulate anybody or anything that comes through and so the the earth has to make its own kind of police force to kind of enforce the law which is no interaction between the two right Um, but of course nobody listens and then things that are problematic ensue and it's it's pretty cool book i like it um i think it could set up for a cool netflix series actually yeah um definitely next up we have retcon number four we have slots number three which is another book i read kind of about a old boxer trying to beat the system in las vegas and help people out and apparently reconnect with his son maybe maybe Uh, hopefully i didn't read the second issue probably not going to (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't like that impressed by the first issue but eh. if you like kind of um Martin Scorsese movies, you'd probably like that comic. Which, you know, I like Martin Scorsese, but eh, this one's a little, little, too much. It's not too much, it's too little, if anything. It's just really slow. Very slow buildup. Yeah. Um, From Titan Books, we have Hercules, Wrath of the Heavens, number five. We have Rivers of London, Cry Fox, number two. Don't read this unless you're familiar with the backup material because we were completely lost uh, when there was a cover of the week. From Boom Studios, we have Judas, number one. We have Slam, 
The next jam, number four. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Aliens, Dead Orbit, number four. We have Department H, number 21. We have Giants, number one. We have Halo, Rise of Atriox, number four. And yes, that is that Halo, the Xbox guy. We have Harrow County, number 28. We have Jenny Finn, number two. We have Zodiac Star Force, Cries of the Fire Prince, number three. From Archie Comics, we have Archie Christmas Spectacular, number one. We have Marvel Comics Digest, number four, X-Men. We have World of Archie Comics, Double Digest, number 74. From Valiant, we have Bloodshot Salvation, number four, with six million variants. I don't know who's buying these. Uh, Love Bloodshot, don't like the 600 variants. From Lion Forge Comics, we have Catalyst Prime, Astonisher, number three. We have Catalyst Prime, Superb, number five. We have Ghost Money, number five. We have Voltron, Legendary Defenders, number five. From Vault Comics, we have Alien Bounty Hunter, number five. We have Deuce of Hearts, number four. We have Maxwell's Demons, number three. We have Reactor, number three. We have Spiritus, number four. We have Zojaquan, number five. Hopefully I pronounced that right. From Aftershock Comics, we have Animosity, number 11. From Vertigo, we have Bug, The Adventures of Forager, number six. I am but the bug. (laughs) From Scout Comics, we have Smoketown, number five. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay, life-changing award of cover and variant cover of the week. (sighs) First up, our cover of the week goes to Vaults, reactor number three, cover by Dylan Burnett. Uh, This cover is pretty cool. It's got kind of the menacing kind of dark horsey <laughs> look uh with a uh, i'm not familiar with the book so uh, who knows who it is but it's like a kind right. of demonic looking guy with kind of a uh, a brushed look to it. it looks like a heavy like oil brush look to him um interesting it's just a really cool cover and you know it didn't come from one of the big companies you know didn't come from image or uh, yeah. dc or marvel uh we've had a few from idw i think and a few from uh boom but generally it's those three they get the the cover of the week or the variant cover of the week just because of the volume they make you know yeah but it's cool to see vault comics step it up and uh, vault comics has actually had some really good covers but it seems like every time they release a really top-notch cover it's always in a week that's like loaded with really good covers so i'm glad we yeah. could finally give them the award they deserve so yeah if, let if, the indies have this one <laughs> if this cover from vault comics reactor number three by dylan burnett looks good to you pick it up um it's a number three so we can probably catch up to it and tell you if the content matches the drapes next week yeah so that's that's pretty doable next up our variant of the week goes to <sighs> dc's wonder woman number 36 this cover is done by Jenny Frizon. Now, full disclosure, variant's not that great this week. 
Yeah. Just the, the honest truth. Variants weren't that great. It, this wasn't the um, week for it. The regular covers had some good covers, like uh, Judas was looked like a good cover, and uh, obviously Reactor Number Three was a great cover, and you know there's a handful of great covers from all the companies really, um, but Variants not so much. Wonder Woman Number Thirty Six, however, is a good co- cover. It's a cool cover if you're a fan of Wonder Woman. I thought that this should have been the regular cover because I look at the cover art for Wonder Woman over the past few issues, Justice League 2, the mainstream Justice League title, and both of those books, I don't know if they just changed artists or something, but both of those books, regular covers, have just been really subpar, like just not good. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say not good, but just they look really bland and really just awkward and i think even the latest batman comic uh, that came out last week it it looks weird like the artist that did it seemed to like kind of copy the hushed look of batman which you would think would be a good thing but then the superman behind him looks completely different like computer generated or something yeah that's weird so it pops out really weird and it doesn't mesh together I feel like DC has been making some of these mistakes with their regular covers. Now, you know, with these mainstream companies, usually the covers are just, you know, run for the par covers that are good enough to be serviceable. You know, you're not probably going to hang them up, but they're, they're good. Lately. I I feel like DC has kind of declined in it's regular cover quality. Their variants have been pretty good, but I feel like, the mainstream books, not Batman, White Knight, and I, you know, not Mister Miracle or whatever. Their mainstream books have been kind of declining in quality just a little bit, um, especially without any big events going on. You know, that's yeah. usually when they draw in the big dollars for the artists like Jim Lee and stuff. But uh, this cover by Wonder Woman has her standing in her heroic pose in the modern Wonder Woman get up, which is. <laughs> a little more realistic and a little more covered up. Not quite the Wonder Woman number 600 issue. Cool, but still pretty right. cool. And at least it, you know, while she does look like a Greek weirdo <laughs> in the modern times, at least she's not wearing a bathing suit. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, it's just, it's cool art. Done really well. It looks kind of like the Injustice art. I don't know if this is, uh, you know, a similar background artist or not, but it looks kind of like that very well done computer drawn uh, artwork that we see typically from, you know, our weekly issues or from the Injustice series, the early Injustice series. So hats off to you, Jenny Frizan. You did a great job this week. Uh, it's a number 36, so we're probably not going to tell you if the content match drapes for this one, but look forward to seeing what we tell you about Reactor 3 from Vault Comics. And now for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss the topic of our choosing about the world of comics. Emery, what is your topic? My topic is actually what makes a comic book shop a good comic book shop. And just to further illustrate, uh, we're going to talk about in a situation that we dealt with earlier today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a comic book shop that was a little ways north from where we normally go, and we were going there specifically to look for issues that we were missing. Yeah, Um, No names, but it's in here in Columbus, Ohio, and we have mentioned them before. Yes. Uh, In traveling all the way up there, 
Uh, it turns out that not only did they not have exactly what we were looking for, uh, took them a while to figure out where the hell they would have put it in the first place. Yeah. And in doing like a quick scan of the actual comic book shop at large, it became very clear to me that a fraction of this store that's touting itself as a comic book store, only a fraction of this store actually has comics for purchase. Yeah. The other section of it is for a different recreational activity involving a popular card game. So rule number one, if your shop prioritizes trading cards over comics, but still calls itself comic whatever, you're probably a bad comic shop. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So I I don't want to be too harsh on them because they probably did it for partially spatial reasons, partially financial reasons, whatever the case may be. But I think they definitely made a bad decision because they moved almost 15 miles away from where they used to be. And this is not 15 country miles. This is 15 city miles. That's significant. Yeah. Um, And they moved out of the city. They moved further away from the city up into the suburbs, you know, deep in the suburbs. Uh, And it's not an easy place to get to. There's just a ton of traffic because it's right off the highway and there's like all these, you know, outlet, you know, restaurants, you know, fast food chains or whatever in the way. And you have to like swerve around. And then when you leave the place, you can only leave in one direction, which is away from the city. And we live in the city. Yeah. Uh, its old location was always my backup because uh, while they did still kind of emphasize Magic the Gathering more than the comics they were named after and sold, uh, they were still decent quality they didn't tear up the comics too much or anything like that and they still kind of knew what they were doing um sometimes their back issues would be a little messed up because they didn't package them well but other than that i didn't really have any big gripes so i would go to laughing ogre for my new comics and then i would go to world's greatest comics up in westerville for my back issues because those are my two preferred places and yeah laughing ogre is probably the closest to me um there's other comic stores in Columbus, Ohio, like Pack Rat Comics. Is, it's good, but it's just really far away. It's on the opposite side of the city, down yeah. in the southeast. Um, there's another shop that I won't name that's in downtown in uh, our convention center here in Columbus, Ohio. And that one I'm not a big fan of um, because they kind of cater to exploiting convention goers and it, you have to pay for parking at a meter to go in usually or pay a ridiculous amount at the parking garages and then you have to try to race the meter <laughs> to find the place which is kind of like tucked away behind a stairwell and hidden in this giant convention center yeah um, it, it's a hidden comic book shop yeah which if there was any kind of shop that actually needed to make it very clear as to where they are it would be a comic book shop. Yeah. And I've had other issues specifically with some of the people that worked there in the past. Not necessarily like an attitude because they're very friendly, very welcoming, very good people. But I've had some hygiene 
issues going in there where I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not something that makes me want to go through this whole ordeal just to come <laughs> back here. Um, but I was really disappointed because comic meh, <laughs> <laughs> um, which typically was a really great comic shop, moved to a location that I didn't think made sense. Yes, it's bigger. But all the the only thing that increased was the floor space for more tables for people to play cards at. Right. And the, I've never seen more than, say, 10 to 15 people there. Even when we were there, there's a ton of empty white tables <laughs> in this big area and, like, three people there. <laughs> yeah. So, God. That just... I, I feel like that wasn't the best decision for their interests. I understand they were kind of close to Laughing Ogre, which is probably their primary competition. Um but now I can't even use them as my backup because they're so far away and so out of the way. I'd rather just go to World's Greatest Comics, <laughs> which I already go to more often, you know? Yeah. So that those are things that kind of suck and kind of irk me. Uh, if, if you prioritize, you know, games and stuff, it, it's par for the course, you know, for a lot of comic shops. Uh, they have, you know cards and stuff and whatever else and the comics because typically you know you can't sustain a comic business uh especially in a smaller market or something without some assistance from some other product whether it be collectible statues or you know a card game or whatever else or board games you name it um there are a few exceptions but usually you know you got to dip a little bit into those things to keep yourself afloat sometimes but Totally understandable, but when you name yourself and advertise yourself as this big comic book mecca, you know, in your city or in your market, and then you don't deliver on that, that's that's big issue for me. Yeah, yeah. The, like comics should be the focus if you are if comic is the first part of the title of your business. Yeah. Um, for me, the things that ruin comic shops for me is if they just neglect their comics like they have all the new issues but all the new issues are bent because they just shove them into a spot or they put them in racks that don't hold them securely enough that just let them free flow and so every time someone opens the door on a windy day it tears the covers or something um yeah uh, yeah. there's got to be some care for the wares that you're trying to have people purchase yeah and given that these are comic books there is a level of delicacy that is needed. That if you are a comic book shop that doesn't respect the thing that you are trying to get someone to buy, then you are in the wrong business. Yeah. I, I, there's, again, remains nameless. Uh, when I was in the Army, um, I was at Fort Drum in upstate New York, and there was a shop in Watertown that I was hoping could fill my, you know, uh, comic urges. <laughs> I had to get the new New 52 stuff because it was launched while I was still in the Army. And um, I ended up having to use Comixology because I went into their shop and it was all open box stuff. Um, the, the new issues were all torn up and like out of shape. Uh, they left their door open the entire oh. day. So like whatever the weather was, humid, wet, cold, windy, miserable, <laughs> upstate New York. Yeah. The, <laughs> lake like effect, you, you name it. Um, whatever it was. It the, got in the there. Comics, you could yeah. feel it. And he had a bunch of cats 
that would prowl the inside of the store and like would need their claws and the t- the boxes that held all the back issues and tear up the covers that were protecting them. You know, half the stuff wasn't protected at all. It wasn't laminated or anything. It was just shoved into a box, which typically you don't do with good condition comics. You only do that if it's like a beat up old torn comic that you got in somebody's back catalog or something. And you're just like 50 cents. If you want it, take it, you know, and the cats would spray and pee and just all over the place and i'm i'm a little allergic to cats not like so much i can't pet them or anything but if you know if their dander gets in my eyes like i get my eyes get all red and irritated and i feel like my everything on my body itches you know oh yeah that's not good so i for me i would walk in there and just try to survey but i couldn't even stay in the damn store for more than five minutes because it would just have me all itchy and uncomfortable and you know just like this place is gross it smells like cat pee and it's it's just humid there's it feels like everything's water damaged and stuff and just nothing is of good quality and i'm not sure i would want to take any of this stuff home um right so that ruined basically all comic experiences for me in upstate new york um yeah definitely shouldn't be having any kind of pet that isn't, you know, under direct supervision or <laughs> any kind of pet that isn't someone's, for lack of a better term, guide dog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if these pets were even his. I, don't, I think he just let them in the store and fed them from time to time. I don't know. But <laughs> there, in any industry, there's bad owners and bad examples. Right. I, what I would beg our listeners and viewers don't have preconceived notions of what a comic shop is. It's not the Big Bang Theory nerd where a bunch of nerds are going to come up to you and be awkward around you if you're like female or something. They're not going to come up to you and be like, "Oh, you're hot." Uh, oh, what yeah. superheroes you like? You know, nobody's yeah. gonna nobody's gonna be passive aggressive and challenge your knowledge of comics or anything. You know, it's not the internet. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the it pop a- culture. You know, representation. There's there's a lot of stereotypes out there, you know, about the kind of uncomfortable, dorky comic shop where you're going to go in and the owner, the workers there are going to challenge you and your comic book knowledge and see if you're a real fan, especially if, like, you're a girl. Maybe, you know, the stereotype is there'll be a bunch of awkward nerds coming up to you and challenging your knowledge about comics or they'll be, you know, I don't know, being awkward and, you know, weird and creepy around you yeah not the case at all for the most part there are exceptions to the rule you know like i said you know i've never had like a creepy experience or someone be like you know abusive about (laughs) their relationship with their customers or they're challenging you at every step or something that's never been the case but i haven't had experiences like i said with the one shop that had the kind of hygiene issue and then the one in watertown where you just let these cats go wherever and just didn't give a shit about the customer whatsoever don't understand how they ran a business that way but they did um so there's bad examples in there but don't be afraid to go into a comic shop and test it out you know from my experience you know uh, you know, absolutely. Some of my favorite comic shops are, you know, here in Columbus and I used to live in New York city. You know, there's midtown comics and all those great comic shops in New York city and Brooklyn and all these things. Um, but generally what happens is you go in, you know, somebody will greet you. They'll ask you, 
Uh, are you looking for anything particular? And, you know, say, yes, I'm looking for this. Or are you saying, no, I'm just kind of looking at the new stuff. You know, whatever the case may be. And the, then they leave you alone unless you ask them a question, you know, or if you look lost and they're like, well, can we help you out? And are you looking for any recommendations? You know, they're usually very helpful. And I think several comic shops in Columbus in particular are very good about that. Uh, Laughing Ogre, great example of great staff, great management, great owner. Um and a really solid comic shop. S- small things from time to time, like condition issues, but th- it's very rare that it happens. And more often than not, it's not their fault. It's usually like they're shorted by their, you know, uh, distributor, distributor yeah. or you know, some customers mishandled the comic and then tossed it back in, or some kid, you know, got their sticky fingers on something. You know, happens from time to time. You can't avoid it, really. Um, World's greatest comics. Uh, on another great Columbus comic shop that's really good, really solid, uh, great for collectibles. They always have some other gr- awesome comic that I really want, a first appearance or a collection or back issues, and they're always bringing up more stuff. And they, they do have some new issues. I think that's their one weakness is that they don't have, like, the biggest – you know, diversity of brand new issues. It's usually a pretty small pool of new issues, you know, from the big companies, but that's about the one few th- you know, small thing I would criticize. Even the comic place we've been talking about, they always have a huge display of new issues. You know, they, the problem is they don't order enough, enough of each one. That's, right. that's been my issue with them because they order, probably because they do order so many, they can't support, you know, ordering a, an abundance of each issue, you know? Right. And they do kind of skew towards the gaming side, which is kind of, uh, kind of sucks. Cause then some, some of the condition, especially on back issues suffers a little bit. Uh, and then there's, you know, pack rat comics again, great, great comic book shop. It's just so far away. I never go there. You know, I've been there two times and both times were great experiences. And I feel like I genuinely feel, feel like if I were say, female and i went to these shops or if i was a brand new guy and had no idea what to look for or what to you know go for if i had kids that needed help you know finding something appropriate i would have no trouble whatsoever going to any of these shops and getting help or just you know perusing (laughs) yeah (laughs) looking at what they got and seeing if anything caught my eye and got me interested you know and um i think the key for me is just to find what uh, serves your purpose the best, you know, look around, don't, don't just, you know, if you got, say you're a small town, you have one comic shop, but there's another comic shop, you know, another town over, it's a little extra drive, but it might be way better quality or, you know, more susceptible. And I understand if you live in the country or something, it's really hard to find a good comic shop, especially within an easy driving distance, especially if you, one that you want to go to weekly. Um, for those people, I might recommend a pool, you know? Oh, if, yeah. You know, go to the comic shop once a month, you know, and get your full pool of comics for that month and then enjoy them, whatever, look around and then go home and, you know, make an event of it, you know? You make it fun, especially if you have kids or something, you know? Something to look forward to every month. So. Yeah, I made a special trip down to the comic shop. Yeah. For me, yeah. The, the, the big things that will make me leave your store immediately is condition, both of the store of your personal hygiene and your merchandise and your merchandise. And the second one is ease. If your store is hidden, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or if it's just so ridiculously far away unnecessarily, um, you know, you're probably going to lose me as a customer, you know, uh, how about you? Uh, I would say that those things are 
definitely in in the top five things that I'd be looking at. Uh, if I were to add anything to that, I would think that it would be uh, specifically if I'm going after like a certain set of number ones or if I'm trying to keep up on a, a certain story or set of issues. Yeah. Uh, I would say an abundance of those comics. Uh, specifically me being able to basically like have an established feeling of reliability yeah. with that particular shop. Mm. It's like I can if I can always count on them to have the issues that I want, that is going to keep me coming back more than anything. Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, the comic book shop, no matter what state it's in, I'm there to purchase a comic, get out, and add that comic to my collection. If I can't count on them to have the issues that I'm looking for, then like all of the other like niceties and whatnot, that kind of goes out the window for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with a lot of that. Um, I think some, you know, it's it's a tough game for comic shop owners because they have to play the guessing game, you know. Yeah, which is why they offered pool deals, which we discussed. I don't know two two weeks ago or so. Um, they have to pr- try to predict what the demand is going to be. Which is a very difficult game to play. Yeah, and they often have to do it weeks ahead of time, if not months ahead of time, because these distributors, you know, I think the one for Columbus is like Diamond or something like that. Yeah. And there's always shortages, you know? There's always (laughs) manufacturing issues. You know, we just had the one last week with Marvel printed the wrong pages and, you know, sent them out and then said, oh, return it to your comic store owners. You'll get a free one eventually but now the burden is on the comic shop owners to return their money you know for the right. bad comic what what are the what are the owners supposed to do about that it's not their fault you know uh so now they gotta ship it back you know and hopefully get some of their money back you know and yeah that's... Th- they are sending it to the, the distributor diamond or whoever else and then the diamond has to ship them back to marvel and then hope that the empty promise is true <laughs> you know so <laughs> it, it's a tough industry because oh yeah you know it's not like um you know you make the one two movies a year and then you distribute those two movies a year or whatever this is something where you have you know 100 to 200 new comics every week and you have to print multiples of them and predict <laughs> what's going to sell, what's not, what's worth taking a risk on, what's not. You know, what you have these issues, you know, like from Image all the time, you know, these issues that just take off because, like, oh, it just came out of the blue, new issue, new story, new characters, new everything, new writer, new artist, blew me away. Now everybody's trying to scrap them. And that's when they have like the second printings and third printings, and they're and the, but nobody wants the second printings and third printings because right. they don't have the value, you know, they don't retain the value like the first printing of any issue, let alone the first issue, you know. So I understand it's a totally tough game, and I don't begrudge shops that just don't have it, you know, sold out, you know, you can't, sorry, <laughs> you, you snooze, you lose, or they got shorted by Diamond, or whatever the case may be, you know, it's a tough game, but I, I can totally sympathize because i like even today today we were looking for two issues and we we just could not find them yeah because we waited a little too long you know 
and uh, our typical shops bit. just didn't order that many of them, you know, because they had not weeks ago predicted that they would be as in high of demand as they were, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that's a big one. Anything else? Um, any big things that'll definitely make you want to go there, or definitely not make you want to go there? Hmm. I mean, uh, for yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to think if there's anything besides like the basic like upkeep, hygiene. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is true. Maintain any good business, you know. Oh yeah, you, it, you it, want your business to be clean and you know welcoming, <laughs> right? And not uh abrasive to be in. Oh yeah, of course. Um, uh, I mean, I can good think staff. I can. Yeah. I can, I can, I mean, I can put up with a bad staff as long as, you know, they stay out of my fucking way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, as long as the store is clean, I have what I'm looking for and, you know, I can deal with one asshole or two, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that I've never had that experience, by the way. I'm just saying, you know, if it had happened, I have thick skin, I'd be okay. But there's one example. They're not in business anymore, or if they are, they're somewhere I've never seen. Um, they used to be near downtown, uh, and I knew they were going to be a bad store before I went in because they literally had a bunch of issues, very collectible issues, very highly desired issues, and some new stuff taped to their windows in direct sunlight, and all of them were ruined, Ooh. permanently ruined because they were just sun bleached to, to death. You know, they were literally directly in the sunlight all day long. You know, uh, this is placed in an area of Columbus called the Short North. Um, and that place, you know, and I went in and just the place just felt dirty and gross. And like it, they were trying to go for like a new age hipster aesthetic, but it just it was not conducive for any kind of collectible, let alone a fragile, you know, sun, sun damaged collectible, you know. Yeah, and it really bummed me out because they had some really great stuff, and it would, it it was just destroyed. You know, it's like I mean, it, I'm exaggerating, but it's like seeing a fucking Picasso painting. You know, just like <laughs> ah, hold it up to the sun for like <laughs> yeah. days. You just get some, yeah. you know, some duct tape, and we'll tape it to this wall. You know, with no <laughs> frame or anything. You know, just that's what it felt like to me, and it, that that was <laughs> I. They were lucky I even went in the store because I I was like I'm not gonna be happy with anything in here and I I was damn right, but I was desperately <laughs> looking for a particular collection so I gave them a shot but oh they were awful, um, so yeah, comic fans out there, uh, we always recommend you support your local comic book shops. Remember there are digital devices out there, um, I can't remember what the other big one is, but Comixology is probably the biggest one. They were bought up by Amazon a few years ago, and it doesn't really get much easier if you got, like, a smartphone or a tablet, you know? Yeah. Uh, you can even, like, get it on your computer and then download it and share it with people, you know? So, uh, I would say, you know, get the physical ones, but, you know, if that's just not an option for you or the quality of the shops around you just isn't up to par, you know? Use your phone. <laughs> yeah. That also supports your comic book owners and shops. My issue with digital is that, you know, it's going to put these brick-and-mortar shops out of business eventually, you know, and that includes the greatest and best of them, you know, and that 
I hope that doesn't become the case because there's something to having a physical comic in your hand and having the full spread of the art, you know, instead of on a little lit up screen that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's the the type of thing that um, I personally only ever use it when, like, I know I'm not going to find exactly the issue that I'm looking for, Mm -hmm. which in this case, we kind of went that route. Um, But there's there's always something to walking into the store, not having an idea what you want, just being like, eh, let's see what's in here. You know, it's a little harder to do on an app, you know? Yeah. But yeah, um, between that and just like catching up on a like an old series where you just you're not going to be able to find the books <laughs> because they're so old. Um, yeah, th- that that would be another reason why I would go with that. But apart from that, I'd say whatever you can. Like if you are interested in getting into comics. The preferred method is doing it by print. Yeah. Uh, there's. A, I just thought of a few things that can will definitely keep me a customer, if not lure me to your business in the first place. Um, a lot of the comic shops around here, the two I always mention, World's Greatest and Laughing Ogre, they're really good about getting talent, like artists and writers, in for a book and having signings and stuff with people you would never otherwise have the chance, you know. I don't, you know, there's right. there's a comic convention here in Columbus, Ohio, it's Ohio Comic Con. It's really good, really big, really huge. Problem is it's really expensive as yeah. all comic conventions are. And I, I mean it's like, you know, $200, you know. And that's just yeah. I I if I wanted to spend two hundred dollars <laughs> to go buy stuff, <laughs> I would do it in a much more you know beneficial fashion. But these comic shop owners and stuff often they'll go to these conventions and stuff and they'll talk to artists and writers and you know ask them to come to their shop or whatever for in exchange for you know commission on every comic sold or every comic signed or whatever the case may be you know yeah and then uh, they'll in world's greatest comics. Uh, example they actually go to these conventions and get the latest and greatest you know collectibles that they find at the conventions because let's face it the best place to get like the rarest comics is at conventions because there's always somebody trying to you know get them for the highest price (laughs) what better place to do that than at a convention center you know and so you get to avoid the risk that's involved with ebay and fakes and forgeries and stuff like that so that's a big advantage for me it's just the constant stream of collectible covers and comics, you know, that they get from the going to all these conventions for you, you know. Yeah. So you don't have to. You don't have to invest all this travel and time and money and trying to go to these places and hoping that <laughs> you get what you're looking for, you know. So that's another big advantage. Well, you think we should move on? Yeah. Well, what topic did you have for us today? Well, mine's the tried and true classic. If you could have one superpower or ability, what would it be? And before we start, this is a for fun topic. So no, oh, I wish my power was to bring world peace and, you know, feed everybody who's hungry and no bring wealth to all the poor, whatever else. No one cares. Yeah, fuck that. Um <laughs> uh, of course, everybody would want these things and want to be able to do these things. This is a for fun thing. This yes. is a totally greedy topic. Oh, yeah. What would you do? 
Oh, uh, which powers would I have? Um, well, I would be lying if I said I wanted some some set of powers aside from the one that comes from my favorite character. But I'm gonna think <laughs> a bit outside the box here. You want them to be able to make things explode? Uh, <laughs> uh well. If there's anything that I've learned from reading comics related, Don't touch Bob. relating to, to Gambit, <laughs> it's that his powers do so much more than that. He adds kinetic energy to stuff. Uh, yes, which can make machines that were previously off just on for whatever reason. He, he never need batteries. Yeah, he he's actually managed to pilot an Iron Man suit without turning the thing on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so you kind of need that stuff to be built for you. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, it's very reliant on the stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which fits a burglar. <laughs> it, yes, it does. <laughs> it's like you make it, I take it. <laughs> um, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna branch out from this one. Like I could describe that and like note all of the things that I would like from it till like the fucking cows come home. I want my power to be uh, flexibility and looking great in a leotard. <laughs> Hashtag Nightwing. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but if we uh, wanted uh, to uh, go, favorite superhero. Yeah, uh, I I I mean I'd keep the looking great in the leotard thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah for powers i would say i don't want to do flight or superhuman strength or like super rapid healing because as the, the, they hand those out like candy nowadays okay um i would want something actually kind of funny like uh i am bulletproof but only for every third bullet that's fired at me. Why? <laughs> challenge. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible challenge. <laughs> I don't think you're going to win that challenge. <laughs> Pretty sure the first two bullets will kill you. And then the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. Uh, well, I, I guess we'll skip the sixth then. <laughs> Seventh and eighth will get you. <laughs> Well, it, it it it's all about how the entire situation is set up. That's so random. Why, <laughs> why would that be your superpower? <laughs> well, it, he, here's the thing: superpowers are basically get out of shitty situation free cards, and there's only so many of those out there that. You know, after a while, all of them start to overlap. It's like, oh, I want uh, luck powers. Several fucking characters already have that. I want uh, invisibility. Several fucking characters already have that. I want to be able to stretch real Who fucking cares far. What the other characters have? <laughs> These characters don't really exist. Uh, you I, exist. I, okay. <laughs> while true. <laughs> I want, I want to have something original. Something... I think about powers, therefore I am. <laughs> I choose third bullet. <laughs> what? You could travel through time. You could be invulnerable. You could 
have super strength. You could shoot lasers out your dick if you wanted. You could do all these things. <laughs> oh, God. I remember a character that actually shot lasers out of their dick. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, honestly, it would be... Shark it, gold for all you care. You can have anything. Uh, and you choose third bullet. <laughs> I, I will... I will add to it hypnotic charm. <laughs> you get one. <laughs> okay, okay. I I will I'll leave the third bullet thing beside. <laughs> you choose hypnotic charm. <laughs> You already got that. <laughs> oh, so you mean I have my wish. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you fishing for a compliment, and I delivered. Uh, I'm call you the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you would use the third bullet power like a, a Penn and Teller show, you know? Oh, like their, their yes, nail gun trick course. where it's... Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, I count between iterations of like three and you know nine and it, yeah. twelve and whatever else. Uh, I'll see that one. Uh, that one. One two three. One two three four five six. <laughs> that one. Freak out the audience and they think you loaded the nails, but no, you're just invulnerable to the third one. <laughs> It'd be the most surprising game of like failed Russian roulette the world's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point for Russian roulette. Yeah. <laughs> You can put three bullets in there. <laughs> have a big party. It's like, yeah. You only have to be scared of the first two. <laughs> <laughs> then make the game so much more real. <laughs> Six holes, three bullets. Woo! I don't like those odds. Nope. <laughs> but you have a leg up. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so weird. I did not expect that answer. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We keep things lively here on this show. <laughs> we keep it something, all right. Uh, for me, <laughs> I'll take a little more serious approach. For me, it would be like the the infinite like healing factor. Uh, you know, the turn in terms of like Wolverine, where you live basically forever or you age at a very very slow rate because of the healing factor or whatever for several reasons the biggest one for me is just i want to see what happens in the future i don't want to just like travel there with no context and be like oh shit what's going on and then travel back and be like oh shit what's going back <laughs> you know? i want to like live through my time period you know extensively maybe not till the end of time because yeah well the earth is gonna be destroyed at some point by you're talking about the, the heat sun. death of the universe. Well, I mean, there's the sun first. The well, sun's going to de devour the fucking Earth. And then if we manage to escape Earth, yeah, eventually the universe is going to end in one shape or another. It might be the cold death. It might be the heat, <laughs> the death. heat death. Yeah, It might be something completely different that we just can't predict. Right. I'm not sure I want to be around for that part. <laughs> uh, I feel so, like uh, even if I could live through something like that, I'm not sure I would want to. Uh, yeah, see, here's... Uh, eternal it, suffocation in space. Nah, that's it, probably not great. It, here's the thing that... Uh, the reason why I don't take it, like, rapid healing or healing that basically heals any wound is that that turns up your eventually being trapped rating to 
about a hundred percent. That's true. You know, you get squashed by a boulder and just keep, you know, get buried in the desert by some gang. You know, and you're just constantly suffocating and being crushed by dirt. It's like eventually, at some point in your life, whether it's at some point while you're on Earth. Or if you somehow manage to survive the heat death of the universe, you're being <laughs> trapped. It, it, it jumps to a hundred percent. It is going to happen. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pain at different points in my life, but I think it's worth the risk because I'm just <laughs> I just want to see what happens. You know? Oh yeah, I, the I, the most I can probably hope for at this point is you know what a hundred years, hundred and thirty years maybe with medical advances and good genetics. I don't know, you know. Uh, but I'm curious. I want to see what happens. I want to see where humanity where humanity goes from here. And I just think it would be really interesting to have the context of my life, you know, from 1990 to you know onward. Yeah. Um, well, with the current uh, political climate, yeah, just <laughs> we'll, we'll I mean, see how long be we some get. Earth left. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know something. But I, I think that that's the biggest reason. I just think it would be cool to see cool the future. to see all these things and experience all these things and you know um then on the other side of things i could get jacked <laughs> so quickly because literally every time you tear a muscle a little bit working out which is how your muscles form you tear yeah. it a little bit and then the proteins come in and fill it in and rebuild it yeah i could get jacked so quick <laughs> become huge jacked man <laughs> here it is <laughs> There, <laughs> because that's, instead of having to have a whole recovery day or whatever, you just, it would instantly recover. It's like I can just, <laughs> just eat a bunch of protein and stay in the gym for like twelve hours. That's and get jacked. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's actually similar to uh, the saber tooth's uh, lesser known ability. Is a uh, he... huge jackedness? Oh, uh, pretty much. <laughs> But the, that comes from not really developing lactic acid in the muscle. Yeah. It's like the, the thing that Endless tells you endurance. to stop. Yeah, yeah. You just. <laughs> I just feel like it could be really cool and you could do a lot of things. Uh, the one thing that worries me, it's not like the being buried in the desert by some gang you pissed off or something. Yeah. For me, it's more like. Um, like. How do you manage relationships? Oh, if you know you're not gonna die and they're going to, yeah. How do you manage kids when you know you're gonna outlive all of your kids and grandkids and great grandkids? Now, how, how do you manage your view of those relationships? Because if you, I feel like the first few yeah. relationships would have significance to you, but eventually it'd just be you know routine. Yeah, just it, be like, ah, eh, I'm doing this because it's convenient. It, you know. it convenience it feels good in the moment but you know eventually you are going to watch them die yeah so um i'm from my perspective in a way like it's kind of romantic like living through this life with them and then being knowing that you're going to be healthy enough to help take care of them when they need it you know yeah when they become old or sick or whatever and eventually do pass away or whatever um and i th- I think I could kind of live through that, just like the romantic in me is like, that would be okay, I guess. But it's the children that like yeah. makes me wonder. Because I, I think it would be really cool if you could have it in a way where you had the kids, you know, you stay, you know, for the long haul. And then like, 
one day you just kind of drift away and disappear you know like after your kids have had grandkids and stuff and then you come back you know the next generation maybe don't introduce yourself as oh hey i'm your great grandfather or whatever oh yeah no come back in between generations and just see how your family is and maybe be like the kind of invisible guiding hand to, to help them along if they ever stumble you know across the generations and just see where your family line goes you know that's another thing that's always interested me like i've always wondered if i have kids or grandkids or something you know what's going to happen several generations down the line who are they going to be what will yeah. they what will they dream about what what will they want to do with their lives what will what will their climates be like what will their you know political <laughs> ecological climates both you know yeah. um what are they going to do for a profession if anything you know what kind of world are they going to inherit and pass on you know i think all those questions would be just be so cool and interesting and to be uh, able to live through to live through those things and look forward to those things and see those things and uh, you know you'd be like the highlander i feel like so much of our lives is is dictated by fear of you know what if you know yeah what if i get in a car accident next week and my family's left you know with n- no parent no husband you know no maybe you know half the financial means they had before or less you know whatever the case may be um to remove all of those typical worries in life you know should i spend this you know five years ten years developing myself for this profession and find out i have cancer at the age of 35 you know yeah when you take away those uncertainties it kind of opens up the world a little bit more i think and uh, allows you to explore the world and not only the world, but your relationships more in depth and, I don't know, in a way, be more human than, (laughs) you know, you would be otherwise when you're concerned about things like finances for the future and retirement and, you know, potential diseases in your future and ailments and, you know. Yeah. um, I feel like just so much of people's lives uh, and to an extent my own is lived in some kind of, you know, fear or you know anticipation of something you know and life never works out like you planned it you know something always throws a wrench in the gears and turns you in a different direction either for the better or the worse but i feel like if you could remove at least some of those layers of fear damn it i was on a roll (laughs) yeah you were i was ready to end it but yeah i think it'd just be so romantic to just go back and see all that stuff into the future and have all the benefits of living a life without all these fears that we always constantly live with. Um, well, folks, I think that wraps up another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Mediocre! Thank you all for sticking with us. If you like what you hear, be sure to hit like and subscribe down below and follow us on your podcast services of choice and on our social networks. We're on Twitter at HTBVids. We're on Facebook at forward slash Hit the Books. Uh, you can always check out our website htbvids.com for the latest news and reviews and all the links to all our Stitcher iTunes you name it. We also have a link on there that goes straight to uh, freshcomics.us which is the resource we use for all the new releases coming to you uh, every Wednesday. Uh, We as always have a bunch more content coming up for you, reviews and other things uh, so please look forward to that. We work very hard on this and uh, (laughs) it takes a lot of time. Yes it Um, does. And a lot of sacrificed hours. Thanks again. Thanks for watching. If you're listening to us on Stitcher iTunes, give us a constructive review. Uh, leave us a message, a comment. 
Uh, comment on the video. Let us know what your powers would be and why. And um, let us know what issues you're looking forward to and all that jazz. Yeah. Once again, I want to thank you for sticking with us through this episode. I know it's been pretty long. The last few episodes <laughs> have been pretty long. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Every Wednesday.